2: point this out but when you ever you're let's say you're sitting or chanting or doing some practice, let's say we're chanting together. so you might feel something for a minute it might come, might go you might feel something else. where is this experience happening? I'll answer. It's happening in here, in each one of us. It's not outside. It's not somewhere else. It's happening within each one of us, having our own experience. Very different from the person next to you. And if you think about it, we go through our whole day, our whole life having our own experience, each one of us. And that experience, what we experience, we, we, um, is, and by our stuff. Our, who we think we are. The stuff we like, the stuff we don't like. The things that happened to us in life. Things that didn't happen to us in life. Everything that makes us, everything that makes me, me, is what's having these experiences. And that's that me is what spiritual practice begins to uh, dissolve. So that gradually the subjective bubble that we're pris- imprisoned in, and it is a prison, the subjective bubble that we're imprisoned in begins to melt away. When Maharaji would say, all one, what he's pointing to is that place when the bubble's broken and there's no, and you don't think you're, you're that person anymore, you, you experience yourself in a different way. You don't disappear, but you experience yourself in a much different way. You're not limited or imprisoned or defined by your thoughts and emotions. But you're very much here, much more here than you are when you're thinking about shit all the time. Much more here. I mean, it's inconceivable how much more it is because we, because it's inconceivable. <laughs> By definition, you can't conceive of it. It's not a concept. It's the experience of being. And these names that we sing, these. Com- They're calling us. We think we're calling them out, but they're actually pulling us into ourself. We're being pulled into ourself. Human beings experience being pulled within by your own being as longing. Longing. That's the killer. Longing is the killer. That's what ruins your life. <laughs> Wanting something we, don't, we think we don't have. And the longing for that, to be in that place, to be that, to feel that. That's what drives us forward. That's the saving grace, actually, is the longing. It's a tough one very hard to just to really surrender to that accept that we still think we're going to squeeze out a little bit of happiness if we, I know it's just around the corner I'll grab it you know I can do it oh yeah this is okay but we're natural I'll get that good luck good luck I mean that. Good luck. (laughs) I I hope you do. You'd be the first since time began. But, you know, anything could happen. All right, any questions or anything? Anybody want to say anything? Talk about anything? I know I'm not like Lama here, I'm not very erudite. But I can bluff my way through it. (laughs) Sir, give him the mic. Could you talk
0: just a little bit about, in regards to your own personal experience, and then in regards to how it would apply to the rest of us, the process of letting go?
2: What does that mean? What does letting go mean? Or
0: I think we all can understand it in some, to some varying degree. The word surrender, or at least the way that you've been using it. And so, yes, what it is, but also
2: how to do it. <laughs> how to surrender? Well, just fill out this form. I seem to be out of form, sorry. <laughs> Surrender is, happens by grace. It's not an act of personal will. That might be a hard thing to understand. Because we don't, we, you know, grace is such a foreign concept to, to Westerners. But, um, you know, Ramana Maharshi said, if you ask the thief to be the policeman, there will be a lot of investigation, but no arrest will ever be made. That's the same. That's the thing about surrender. If you ask your ego to surrender, it'll m- make a good job of looking like it's trying to do that. All the time, it's getting bigger and stronger. So it's not, surrender is something that uh, that we, you know, there's this line that says, purify and wait for grace, purify your heart and wait for grace. And that seems like very um, passive kind of practice, but it's actually not passive at all. Purifying the heart means cleaning the mirror of the heart, just like I was saying last night about the Hanuman Chalisa, First, you clean the mirror of your heart so you see what's really there. The mirrors of our hearts are just covered with stuff, you know, shame and guilt and fear and anger and greed and selfishness. That's what's covering the mirror of our heart. So when we look, see, What's looking at us? I once had a a grand mal seizure in an airplane. Flying back from uh, New Orleans to Los Angeles. They had to land the plane in Albuquerque. Luckily it wasn't Gallup. I don't know if you know those towns. But anyway, if it was Gallup, I probably wouldn't be here today. But Albuquerque was. They took me to the hospital and they, whatever. And then um, they gave me some medicine. And uh, later in the day, a friend of mine came down from Santa Fe and took me back to, to their house. And I stayed there for ten days. And uh, I remember when I could finally walk, I got up to go to the bathroom, and I walked by the mirror, and I looked in the mirror you know I, what was looking at me out of that mirror was somebody I did not know I just looked at my I looked in the mirror and I saw there was no personality around my eyes there was no stuff it was just like uh, ah bah 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 and I wouldn't on the way back I so uh, it came back don't worry when we fall in love a part of us surrenders naturally to that space, to that presence and we think we're surrendering to that person that other person however that's, that's one type of love that has certain qualities to it, but there's another love, uh, a non-personal love that's more intimate than a personal love. A personal love is between two persons, right? There's, There's bodies in the way, there's all kinds of weird stuff, you know? But a non-personal love, there's no, there's no me and you. It's just this. It's like a uh, an atmosphere that you walk in and it's oh, you're in it. So that's a deeper place within us. And when, when we surrender, what keep when we let go of what keeps us clinging to our stuff, our thoughts, our emotions, all the clothes we wear over our our personality. As we let go of that stuff, we actually move deeper into that place within us. But that takes practice. Because we were born, and, and nobody told us to do these things. And by the time we started suffering enough to look within, all the programs were running already and had been for so long that it's very hard to disconnect them. We forgot where the plug is. So the more practice we do, the more we get in kind of harmony with what Thulku calls the Dharma or these teachings, this, this path, the more a part of us relaxes because we're not asked to be somebody else or something else. We're asked to just let go and be ourselves, which is scary enough, you know, because we don't like ourselves. Why would I want to be somebody I don't like? You already are. <laughs> so get over it. So the whole it's the process of getting over all that stuff. With our will, with our personal will, with our intention, we sit down or get up or whatever we do to do some practices. And the practices always revolve around some type of paying attention to one thing and not paying attention to other things. They all, all have that, that, mostly all of them, except the very final practices. We try to pay attention to what we're doing. You don't have to sit here and try to manufacture some kind of feeling or try to make something happen. It already happened, you know. We're here. That's the big bang. Now we're just trying to live through it. So we simply chant and we keep coming back. That's the miracle. Why do we even come back? from where we've gone, right? Why shouldn't we just wake up in the morning and think and then die? <laughs> why, 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 you know? What, what is that? It's very interesting. Why should a thought, why should you be able to let go of a thought? Actually, you, we can't, to tell you the truth. We don't let go of thoughts. They let go of us, and then we recognize that that's what happened. So you'll be singing, and then you recognize, oh, I haven't, been, I haven't even been listening to what's been going on. You didn't let go of that thought. The thought let go of you. And then, at that moment, you have an opportunity to rededicate yourself, to re- become aware again of the, of the chanting that's been going on even while you've been gone. You've even been doing it while you've been gone. the miracles that we come back at all to hear. You're back for a billionth of a second, and then, okay, shriek, and then you're gone. You know? And then we're doing Hare Krishna. How did that happen? You know? So that's really amazing. So what we need to do is just slow down enough t- to participate in that happening more deeply. And the more uh, we... Uh, there's space be- believe it or not, there's a lot of space between the thoughts if we're really paying attention, and as the mind gets finer and finer and quieter and quieter and more receptive, you begin to to experience that Many years ago <clears throat> I was still in college or pretending I was in college uh, I had scored 10 capsules of LSD. They were original, they were from Sandoz. Sandoz is the Swiss company that created the first LSD. These were from, it was still legal then. They, nobody had caught on yet. They didn't know how much fun it was, so they didn't make it illegal. So I had 10 of these capsules, and the first one I split with a friend of mine. And we drove out to the beach and started jumping off these cliffs, right? You know, these sand cliffs. We'd go, ah, right. you know, all day long. It was great, all night long. And then actually wandering through the suburbs of Long Island, we found the tree that Buddha was enlightened under. <laughs> Who knew it was in Miller Place, right? Or was that Sound Beach? I don't know, one of those. Um, amazing. Well, we sat there for a few hours and said, well, guess he's not coming back. Let's do something else. So, one 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 weekend I, you know, I was home alone, so I dropped I did the whole capsule, 1000 micrograms, which is enough to put a horse on the moon. And I was just, you know, I, I was I don't know, I was in playland for like 24 hours. I was out on the front lawn with the dog in the snow and rainbow lights, it was so great. So at one point I found myself lying in my bed, and um, I was just lying, and on the opposite wall there was a window, right? And I was just lying there, and I went, I I felt something coming from like through the window, way out, you know, from a far distance away. Is that? And then I'd space out, and and then it was still coming, 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 coming. And it came closer and closer and closer. And just as it broke over me like a huge wave, I thought, oh no, it's a thought. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was thinking. And I was thinking. And I was thinking. And then it was le- going away. No, don't go, don't go, don't go. No thinking. And then, after some indeterminate period of time, oh no, 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 no. And I was thinking again. And then they started happening more quickly. The space between the thoughts got smaller and smaller. And then, here I am. It was interesting. So I've had a similar effect, but, but I've experienced similar things, you know, in meditation where thoughts just don't grab you. They just go through like birds, and they don't. But most of the time, we are completely immersed in our thinking. Well, I mean, we get up in the morning, and it's just already going. You know, I mean, what am I going to do? Let me check uh, Facebook while oh, you're still lying in bed. No. We don't ever get a break from it. So, the first thing that we need to do in spiritual life is to slow down. Is to pay some attention to letting those thoughts go. Find something to pay attention to, like your breath, or a mantra, or the chanting, something, a visualization. And every time you realize you're not there, you come back. A million times a minute, if you're really paying attention. And eventually, you develop a new neural pathway in the brain. They've proved this now. The brain is, there's neuroplasticity. We, actually, the brain changes shape through this, these practices. So we're creating new pathways in our brain. And it makes it easier every time. The more practice we do makes it easier to release that stuff and just be in present, be present, be in awareness. The surrender is not an emotional thing. You can't surrender just like you can't pick yourself up like this, you know. No matter how hard you try or how much you want to. Surrender happens when we're ripe. And we ripen ourselves by practice and by developing an understanding about what this is all about and why we're doing it. Maharaji said over and over from repeating these names. From the repetition of these names, everything is brought to completion and fullness. Everything, what he's saying is that this is all you have to do. Now, I was with him from 70 to 73, and I heard him say this. I still can't get through Fringe. I'm watching all five seasons. Instead of doing Ram Nam. So I don't expect that anybody is able to do this. You understand? I waste so much time doing all kinds of nonsense. And I have this it's written right on my harmonium. Right here. From repeating these names. This is all you have to do. Do I do it? Yeah, when I remember. So... This is the same thing as, as when you're practicing. You're gone, and all of a sudden you realize you're gone, so you, you rededicate yourself to the practice. So when I remember, I do the practices as much as I can. How much time do I remember? How much time do you remember that you're even alive? You know, Most of the time it's just going from one thing to the other all day long, all week long, all month long, all year long, all life long. Waking up is what we're talking about. But not in a very, not in a cold way. We wake up to this, uh, to to understanding what the path is about. Surrender is graduation day. Meanwhile, we have to work. I don't think I'm even in nursery school yet. Surrender is graduation. Surrender is when you recognize that you never were separate in the first place. You never were cut off. You never were isolated. You never were who you think, who we think we are. But since we think we are somebody, then we've got to do something. This is not something that, that you only know here, like, oh yeah, I'm nobody. That's a pretty big nobody. This is something we experience directly within ourselves through practice and through wanting, that longing that pulls us to do these things. Whether it it can manifest in many ways. Maybe we just want to be better at what we do. We want to be able to pay better attention to what we're doing. We want to be more successful. We want to be happier. Whatever we tell ourselves, the practice will ripen us. It's a ripening process. It's not a learning process. I am incapable of learning anything. He learned a lot. Well he like he's a lawyer from, from Montreal. Of course he learned things. I'm from Long Island. We don't learn things. <laughs> but we sing our but we sing our asses off, that's all. That's all I have to do. I don't care. <clears throat> all right, next victim. Hi. I'm from Montreal, so sorry for my accent. (laughs) Um, What would you say to teenagers to sort of interest them in taking a practice to cultivate a spiritual path or to connect more with themselves? You know, considering that teenagers right now, well, my girls, I don't know about all teenagers, but they are not into that very much and also they they have science course and when i talk about conscious they Mm -hmm. don't even agree that there is necessary a a conscious so Mm -hmm. i would like to to help them uh connect more with themselves before they get so maybe hurt or you know just prevention maybe Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're already hurt there's no preventing yeah it's just a question of it's you can't do anything to anyone no no you can the more, you're, the more you're yourself, they'll get a feeling for what might be possible. They'll wow. feel it in you. They'll yeah. be drawn to that. Some of them will be drawn to that because they see that there's something different about you. But if you're trying to do something to them, then there's nothing different about you. Yeah. You're just like everybody else, trying to do something to somebody. Yeah. Manipulate other people for whatever reason, even if it's a good reason. Mm. So these great beings, they're not trying to do nothing. They've done it all. They've, they've become everything. And we sense that. Our, our inner senses just go, what is that? And we're pulled toward it naturally. You know, we don't... Uh, nobody has to tell us. You know? I'm, we know in our hearts what it is. And when we come in contact with it, we know. Period. You can't do anything to anyone. So the more you do on yourself, the more you become a source light, like Tulku was saying. Other people will, will feel that. And they'll be they'll be drawn to that naturally. Thank you. But, yeah. I had a funny talking about teachers, my but when I when I was in college I I had a great uh literature teacher, I think he was at the time. I'm still friendly with him now, all these years later. And he told me, I saw him a couple of years ago. He said, do you remember what you said to me the last time I saw you in college? Which then I didn't see him for like 15 years after that. I said, no. He said, you came up to me after a class. And his name is Sis Can't Take It Anymore. <laughs> and then he didn't see me for 15 years. <laughs> oh. The good old days. Okay. Hi. Hey.
0: So, why is ripening important?
2: It's not. Don't do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so keep, we
2: keep your fruit in the refrigerator. But yeah. when you want to eat it, you won't like it.
0: Yeah. No. No. Really. Like, what's the point? We were talking about it at lunch today, and, yeah. and you were talking about it with somebody on uh, Chai and Chat, and I was really mm-hmm. intrigued because mm-hmm. the person was talking about, you know, why we escape. And you said at one point, you touch your mala to be present.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Why is it important to be present?
2: It's not, what's, it's what's, not important. It's, not, yeah. it's not, not because it's important. It's because it's what you really want.
0: Why do we want that?
2: I don't know. Yeah. If you don't want it, I don't know why. Why'd you come here?
0: No, I do want it. I no, you do, do, do want it. it. But what we were so discussing. So then you tell was, me why
2: it's important to you.
0: I don't know. Is it is it to do good? Is it to finally be wrapped around and with God? Is it is it all of those things? To understand that we're not mm-hmm. a body and we're not mm-hmm. an ego. We're we're a soul. A, are, are we ascending? Is mm-hmm. is that the end game? Is that ripening?
2: Mm-hmm. All of the above. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, if it was a multiple choice, it would be all of the above. All of the above. But behind every one of those things you described is the desire not to be hurting.
0: Right. Not to suffer.
2: Yeah. That's It's very simple. Buddha said it very clearly. He said, hey, you know, everything in this world has suffering inherent in it, one kind of suffering or another, everything. The greatest pleasure we could ever have is inherently suffering because it's going to end. The good news is that the greatest suffering we ever have will also end to some degree and change. Everything's changing all the time. And we don't, we, we long for something that doesn't change, something that we can depend on, something that's deeper than those Waves on the surface that come and go. That's wh- It's our natural longing. Everybody wants that. And everybody's looking for that. You know, the problem is that most of us keep creating more waves while we think we're looking for less waves. You know? And it's only through the Dharma, through these teachings, that we actually start creating less waves in our life. And just like, just like waves, it's not, they don't stop. You know, there's no button. Okay. All the waves in the ocean now stop. No. But if you go with the waves and as the storms out on the ocean subside, as those karmic events spend their energy, there's nothing there to create more waves. So how we live through our lives is the most important thing in terms of uh, finding some peace, finding some reality. If we're constantly fighting with everything that comes to us and trying to squeeze out a little juice out of it to, to get what we want, right? Or to push stuff away because it's got, we don't want that. If we're always fighting like that, we're just making more waves all the time. All the time. A lot of people do spiritual practice just like that. Sitting down, I'm going to make some peace, God damn it. <laughs> you know? I don't think so. You know? So it's about learning how to live in a good way and practices. what, Sitting down and just sitting down and just paying a little bit of attention for a few minutes a day will change your whole thing over time because it's so against the grain of what we're taught, you know. I mean, my parents said, "Jeffrey, no television until you've meditated." <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but even then, I'd just be meditating to get to the TV. That wasn't going to make very good. But still, it's not important that way. It's just so important that it's what everybody wants. Everybody, even, yeah. (laughs) He who shall have no name. (laughs) Yeah, somebody? Hmm?
1: What are your thoughts about these challenging political times? (laughs) What's she talking about?
2: These are not challenging political times. Imagine if you were like a villager in Mongolia when Genghis Khan was like two villages away. That was challenging. It's just the same shit, recycled. You know, the best thing we can do is do our practices... Be the best human being you can be, and then whatever you do will reflect that, whether you, whether you uh, demonstrate or you do this or you do that. It's all good. You can't create peace with anger. So the nice thing about this situation is that all this political upheaval is, is showing us how fragile we really are. We don't like it. We don't like it. We want to feel like it was when we kind of like could all be like this and this and love everybody, which we didn't. We didn't love everybody. We're the same assholes we were before this guy came to office. But he's bringing that out of us. Situation, you know. We're the good people. They're the bad people, you know. So it's really good work. It's really good work. And, you know, I'm going to tell you something that I don't, it's not like to up-level the situation or to belittle our fears and all our emotions about this because there's no reason to do that. But back in when Maharaji was around physically, when was, something was going on. It was uh, some upheaval political problems. And one of his devotees came to him and said, oh, if there was only a king like King Janaka, who was uh, in the history of India was an enlightened king, you know, and he, if there was only someone like Janaka to, you know, fix up all this political stuff, Maharaj said there's a king greater than Janaka ever was, and who, who is taking care of all this, there is somebody running the show, and if it has to go this way now, let it go. That doesn't mean we don't do everything we have to do in regard to this. But the most important thing is to remember that when you take your last breath, whatever karmas you have, whatever programs are still running in there, are going to keep running into your next incarnation. So you do your best work right now. And in difficult times... It shows us a lot, but it's very difficult. You don't have to solve the whole thing, but just be aware that there's an inner and an outer, and what you can have some say about, on one hand is your inner, and whatever you can control on the outer, you can do, too. But if you do it with anger, like, I always hated John Lennon, give peace a chance. He was just an angry motherfucker. He was an angry, cranky, drug addict motherfucker. And he was in, give peace a chance. Damn, you know, he was arguing with you. I'm telling you, give peace a chance, goddammit. That's what it sounded like to me. And, you know, there's no peace in that. It was a nice, give peace a chance and let me shoot up later, okay? And if I can't get my stuff, I'm going to kill you. It's not real. That whole gloss of, of, of culture is just completely bullshit, you know? People cover up their stuff and they act like this. But that's not really helping anybody. He didn't deal with his demons until much later. Let's deal with our demons now. And uh, luckily we're getting a lot of help with that. So who knows what's going to happen? Nobody knows what's going to happen. It's horrible. Most people people I hang out with agree it's not very pleasant. But there are a lot of people who are just happy as pigs and shit. This is what they wanted. They finally got it. It's 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 kind of humbling, you know, to recognize that so much of America wanted this. Enough to make it happen. So, we'll do what we can to try to g- get it back to it or get it forward to another way that we, we we think is better for us and everyone. We'll do that, but at the same time, we can't lose sight that Every minute is right here. If we're lost in blind reaction to this stuff, we're just creating more suffering for ourselves and others. Period. There's, you know. So, I sneak little peeks at things and I go, oh, shit. So, I have a little, you know, I, I don't bring politics into this stuff because I think this is what I do, right? And everybody's welcome. If I say I'm for this one or that one, that's just my own personal thing. But this is not personal. Everybody should feel welcome to come sing, and that's I, I feel very strongly about that. I'm, I'm not. It's pretty easy to see which side of the line I'm on, but still, everybody's welcome. As far as I, that's the way I want it to be. Um, maybe I'm not very successful at that, but that's what I feel. And people are just people. Remember how easy it was to hate George Bush? GW? Don't you wish he was back? (laughs) So things change. He turned out to be the Dalai Lama's best buddy. Who knew? He was probably a Buddhist monk last time and wanted to be president. Okay, you can have America. So, we only see the, 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 the most superficial level of stuff. and it should, But it needs to be dealt with the best way we can. There's no escaping it. You can't run through a cave, It'll be, you'll be bringing it with you. So in order to do the best we can on that level, we have to be as conscious and as caring and as kind and as open as we can be inside. And just to try to generate the, um, generate that wish that all beings be free of suffering. Just generating that wish is a very powerful thing. I mean, it doesn't maybe seem that way when you're it's late at night and you're getting those flashes from the New York Times or Facebook and everyone is like a slap in the face, you know? it may not seem like that but just generating the understand that everybody wants to be happy and look at these people who by everything they do create more suffering for themselves as well as everybody else they have to pay for that everything has you have to live through everything that's the sad part when people don't understand the real results of their own actions then you begin, compassion just arises. Because you see, we can see in ourselves how we do that, and we can see in others that their own actions are creating more and more suffering for themselves, for their beloved, their loved ones, the close people they're supposedly trying to protect. They're creating hell worlds for themselves. You know, it's kind of a question of how much you're really going to buy into with this stuff, you know. Unfortunately, I've been in India so long, I've actually, most of my Long Island programming is gone. You know, I've been going so long, I've been so involved in this stuff. Reincarnation seems perfectly reasonable to me. For most people, it's not perfectly reasonable. It's kind of a little bit out there. That doesn't mean I believe it 100%. It just seems like, hmm, yeah, could be. And if it is, then you have to start, the next thing is, you know, our actions. What do our actions do? And what are the results of our own actions? You start to look at yourself and your stuff and... Karma is something, they say, that no one but a perfectly enlightened being can understand. It's so complex. But it is basically a cause and effect situation. Our intentions, when we act, are the most important thing. And so if we're lost in all this emotion and all this negativity that's surrounding us at this point, it seems, then we're not capable of really having good intentions about ourselves and others, you know, because we want to escape from the pain of that. There's no escape from the pain other than creating and cultivating compassion for ourselves, and others, um, like Toku was saying this morning. You know, sometimes when that being shows up, that's really difficult. You can say, take that being as your guru, as your teacher, because he's showing you, uh, showing you where you really at. And it's not, you know, there's this great Lama who went on a long pilgrimage, and he took this attendant with him who was a complete fuck up. I mean, a complete. And one of his disciples said, You know, Lama, why are you taking this guy? You know it's going to happen. And he said, Oh, yeah, that's why I'm taking him. You know, he's going to, how will I learn patience if not for him? See, We're not really dedicated. We're kind of in in the middle to getting free. We still want to be comfortable. And there's nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, it's not possible. It's not possible to be comfortable for more than a minute. Sooner or later, something's going to happen. And hey, I remember when I was young, 65. (laughs) And I thought, hey, this is a piece of cake. Then 66 came around. So shit's gonna happen. How are we gonna deal with it? Right? We have to get real. We have to recognize we've been dropped in a pot of boiling oil. We gotta find our way out of here. There's no sense pretending just learning how to swim is gonna be enough. We'll be cooked. I wish there was another way, but there isn't. That's the good news and the bad news. There is no other way. We're doing what we can do, we're doing the best we can. So. And these, guys, these great beings know what's going on. I mean, at one point, at one point, after uh, Indian independence, uh, Pandit Nehru became the, the president of India, or the prime minister of the president. And as he got older, he got a little bit crazy. And uh, if someone would criticize him from a crowd, sometimes he would look, jump into the crowd and try to get to the person who, you know, he wanted to fight with him. He was little... And his people were very concerned about him because they thought something's going to happen to him. So they secretly came to Maharaji and they said, you know, we're very worried about Nehru and we, we think somebody might, something bad's going to happen. And Maharaji said, no one, for five years, not a hair on his head will be touched, could, for, never could be touched, right? So they went away feeling very happy and in fact, nothing, for five years, everything was fine. Then he died, five years. So there are beings that know what's going on. And they have the power to change it, but they don't change it necessarily because we have our karmas to live through. We have to change it inside of ourselves. And if we're looking outside, if we think that, you know, we have to start paying more attention to what's going on. Not outside, but inside. And then whatever we do in the world, the quality of it will change. Peace comes from within. And if we want peace outside, we have to really be at peace inside. Or at least be working on it in a certain kind of way. In in an honest, sincere way. It's messy in there. You know, it's messy. But the more acquainted we are with ourselves and all that mess, the easier it is to deal with the stuff that comes up. And the strength to deal with it comes from these letting go practices. The ability to let go of first very simple thoughts. Eventually you can let go of big emotions by letting go, I mean you don't take them in. Like you're just about to get angry, and then you release it. And it just passes by. And then all those things that you were going to do when you were angry and that you would do, which would create such intense causes of more suffering, just don't happen. But that's not easy. You've got to start where we are. We have to start where we are. Which is just singing. Singing. And coming back and getting the feeling what that feels like. To just be involved in that. And then you, your heart recognizes that and it pulls you to that more. Even if you're busy wanting to watch the rest of Fringe. Your heart wants you to go sing Kirtan. So you go sing for 10 minutes and then you watch Fringe. I only have a season and a half left to go. It's such hard work. <laughs> save me from fringe. Nobody can save me except me, and I'm not going to do it. Only a season and a half. Someone asked the Dalai Lama, "So, Your Holiness, you know, are, do you, are you at peace? You know, with you know, the Chinese have taken your country. They slaughtered millions of your people." You're you're an exile. You have you know. Are, are you at peace? And he said, "Yes, it's true. The Chinese have done that. They've they've taken my country. They've slaughtered my people. And I should let them destroy my peace as well." Right? This is the only vote we get, but we haven't registered yet. Mostly, but the only vote we get is in there. So, are we going to let? this situation destroy us why would we do that why would we do that we have work to do and that's to stay cool be involved but don't get carried away so that you're you're completely the thing that's why this is such a positive powerful situation it's bringing this you don't think this where do you think all this fear was over there No, it was in here. So it shows us that. It gives us a good opportunity to look at it, release it, get to know it, let it go. And as things go on, we won't have so much of it. And not having that fear will free us to act in new ways that we might not even be able to imagine right now. But we have to be real and honest with ourselves. That's the hard part. Because we think, you know, if I'm really a really good person and I'm spiritual and I do my practices, someday I'll be somebody else. No way. That ain't going to happen. So we might as well get to know ourselves. We're stuck with ourselves for a long time. We we have to learn about ourselves because it's like we're riding in this car. We don't know how it works, and we keep banging into other cars and going over cliffs. And you know, we're ah! like, <laughs> It's like, hey, who? Then there's no. You open the glove compartment, there's nothing. You know, no manual. <laughs> and there's no brake pedal either. How do you do this? What do you? Have? No steering wheels. Ah. So the more we learn about this, the, the, the better it is. So let's take a nap, okay? See you later, thank you. Thank you.